0: Oh, here it goes! Everybody,
1: welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies podcast. As always, I'm your host Marcus,
0: and I'm your host Big Facts Reed. ready what's up, man? Wonder when you're gonna start calling yourself Q, man. Got to be consistent.
1: I know. I, you know that that thought just crossed my mind. <laughs> uh but I've been I've been doing this so long now. Um but the reason that that you're saying that we actually have a new podcast that we're launching uh this weekend, maybe next week. Um called Random, out Nostalgia. This Saturday. Saturday, uh, called Random Nostalgia with Rolo and Q. Um as we've been saying guys, all you millennials out there born in the 80s, um this is the pod for you. We sit and we talk a bunch of shit about Stuff from the past, our favorite years. On this episode, you hear us talk about 2004. Um, so we got, we got a lot of good things on the network, man. A lot of good content.
0: Yeah, man. I listened to it today. It's a really good podcast. Can't wait to uh release it. I mean, makes you reminisce about the good old days. I know I'm old, but, you know, it was a fun time. And I don't know if that's 2000s was a good time, man. It, it was really was, job, man. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody talked about the 90s, but I feel
1: like 2000 might have been the peak.
0: Yeah, if 90s was dangerous, a lot of gang banging, people getting shot in the face, but you know, <laughs> the 2000s was fun, man. It's more about fun, party, and energy. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Crunk music, trap music, like a lot of stuff came in the 2000s, man.
1: Hey, what Talk about, I mean, like I said, a real underrated time, and we'll talk about some of, from a basketball standpoint, we'll talk about some players in this episode from the early 2000s, um, some teams that kind of got lost in the early 2000s, so we're going to keep that pushing, but first, what are your thoughts on this Jordan doc? I don't even need to ask if you watched it.
0: Oh, you know I watched it. Yeah, man, I liked it. Uh, but you can tell that the first two episodes were kind of just building up. I'll tell you the one thing that got me is uh, when they played uh, I Ain't No Joke with his highlights, and when they played that LL Cool J, um, I think it was game two against Boston, that shit gave me chills, <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> did you did you find out anything you didn't already know?
0: Um, I don't think I ever really knew about the Pippin contract because I I didn't really care, but now it makes sense. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. But that's that's pretty much the only thing. Do you I didn't feel really, bad for Pippin? No, not at all. I don't He's even sign that see. contract. Yeah, I don't understand how people are saying that Jordan should have did anything. Number one in the pros, there's always that unspoken rule is you don't talk about other people's contracts. You know what I'm saying? So that's what, that was one of the things that happened with Donovan McNabb and a T.O. Because Donovan spoke up for Westbrook and then since he did that, T.O. expected him to speak up. But generally you're supposed to stay out of, you know, contract business. Number two... Pippin pushed for that contract after doing some research. Um, Pippin was, and, and you know, he had those family issues that he talked about. He was probably supporting a lot of people. But he was pushing for that extension. And I think it says something like the reason why it kind of hurt him is because he pushed for that extension. And then he didn't get the final two years of his rookie contract canceled. But he, it, it wasn't a terrible deal. Well, it was. only terrible part about it is that he signed it for seven years. Seven years, if, yeah. If he would have signed that deal for five years, then he would have been good because like nobody was making a ton of money. I think it, right. nobody made a ton of money until like 94. Was, tra- uh,
1: was that Alonzo Mourning?
0: Uh, Alonzo Mourning, yeah, but I think Alonzo was like in 96. I got it on yeah, my back. Yeah, because that
1: was a Shaq. You're yeah, right.
0: but, but um, yeah, even um Charles Barkley in his MVP season of ninety three ninety four is making like two million dollars. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, it the, didn't. The TV it rights only, hadn't hit yet.
1: It was after the ninety three season when the TV rights deal came up, and every uh, next thing you know, everybody was making money except for Jordan Pippen
0: somehow. Yeah. So. Yeah, salaries balloon, so they made it seem like he just really got screwed. But actually, the contract that he signed was probably market value at the time. He made the mistake of signing a seven-year contract. And I don't know why anybody would ever sign like a seven, eight, nine-year contract. Like, I mean,
1: I get it. It's like what he said, right? It's like, I just couldn't afford to risk blowing my knee out. I mean, but like you said, the seven years is the bad part, not the yeah. deal. It's the seven years. It
0: just made no sense. Yes, but, you know, they like were saying because Jordan was making $30 million. he should have spoke up or said anything. But I don't understand how you can say that in the interview when you see that Krause was kind of like, everybody's indispensable except Jordan. If Jordan was going to get anybody to stay, he got Phil Jackson. He couldn't even get Phil Jackson to stay. So how could he get Pippen a raise? Right. <laughs> I mean, that don't, that don't make no sense. So what are your thoughts on Jared Krause? Jerry krause's is he definitely has that uh what do you call it? The um Napoleon complex. Little man syndrome. The little man syndrome, what they were talking about. I could definitely see that man. He wanted to be, you know, he wanted credit. You know, teams win it, not me. He wanted credit. And they were trying to blow that thing up before like ninety five. What I didn't like was Ron Ronsdorf was trying to put it all on Krause. I didn't like that. Krause is dead, and Reinsdorf, every interview was like, oh, yeah, you know, they must have had a falling out because to start off, he was like, yeah, you know, I I interviewed people about him, and they said that he wasn't this and that, but, you know, good basketball mind. But Reinsdorf was trying to pass the buck to Krause. But if you listen to Tim Floyd, Tim Floyd said that they were trying to blow that thing up before the um, the 95-96 season. You know what I mean? You know, and honestly,
1: I mean, Krause... I still cannot understand for the life of me, the, um, the, the, Phil Jackson part. But I mean, if you, if you look at it from a purely basketball perspective, it's like, all right, well, do we ride Michael and Scotty into the ground? And everybody is going to say, yeah, but yeah. the GM's job is to see the future. So trying to trade Scotty for trace McGrady made a ton of sense. Uh, not knowing what we know now, Yeah. um, so, you know, I think as a GM from a basketball on the court perspective, like I can respect what he's doing, but it was a little man syndrome, pushing Phil out, you know, um, openly disrespecting Scotty and Michael, especially when it came to the Ku cool coach thing. But, you know, I think that can be looked at from a basketball perspective as well. Um, I mean, I, I think that had they not waited too late, he probably could have built another good team. I mean, what did they have? They go. They went like 10 years before they built another good team with Kirk Heinrich before uh once uh, his face
0: got there Derrick Rose got there yeah they they were pretty pretty bad man they, I think after that season they hired they brought in the great Tim, Tim Floyd, Floyd. <laughs> Tim Floyd I think in his is four seasons there he won what he went he won 40 he had he won 40 something games or something like he he had less wins than they had losses in the previous three years like he By did way, terrible
1: I will say this. Now, I'm a LeBron I'm a LeBron fan, but I'm also a Michael fan, right? Mike is the GOAT. But talk about can we stop with the 80s was the basketball heyday? These <laughs> motherfucking Bulls made the playoffs at 30 and 52.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Listen, I know this that we you know, this was the deepest delete whatever. Like, yo, well, if you're well I it...
0: always say the thing is is we judge stuff on how top heavy things are. And it was real top heavy at that time. Like so the when you look at the top, the top of those conferences were super competitive when you right. got Detroit, you got Philly, you got um uh, Boston, you yeah. know what I'm saying? You got all these teams at the top which are just Milwaukee, powerhouses. Milwaukee is really good in the 80s Yeah, so yep. you got these powerhouses that are fighting for playoffs. It's kind of like what you look, what you see right now in, the, in in the West or like last year, where you got four teams that can win it, and you don't really care about the the other bottom teams. And that's what you saw. Yeah.
1: So um, anyway, man, Doc is really well done.
0: It's
1: um, so as advertised. I'm glad that they they're, they're doing an uncensored version of it.
0: Um, I, I would ask you this Do you think, see, this is what I do. You think Pippin was wrong for how he acted, you know, getting the surgery? My thing is that through this whole thing, like people were they were painting Pippin as one way, but he made that decision, you know what I mean? And somebody was saying, like, Jordan should have did this, Jordan should have did that. Well, if Reinsdorf, I don't know how true it is, Pippin never came on and said it wasn't true. Reisdorf said he told him not to not sign to a seven-year contract. Don't take that deal. He said, that's the same thing I tell Jordan. Don't take that deal. Just take a five-year deal. And he took it anyway for security, which I understand. But if you take a five-year, $18 million deal, you're still getting security. You know what I mean? Maybe he was right. only offering them five years, you know, 12 or 16 but million.
1: you, you got to think about it, right? Scotty Pippen is a country boy from Hamburg, Arkansas.
0: Yeah, that's no excuse.
1: Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, the, the the 90s, early 90s, late 80s, that's the wild, wild west. One thing that, that that I've learned as we've done a lot of research for, like, the basketball evolution pods, um, even the pod, or, you know, even this pod, as we look back at some of the teams and forgotten players, GMs, play, players weren't very smart or business savvy. GMs were terrible. I mean, yeah, they were they were definitely
0: taking advantage of them.
1: Oh, my God, man. Um, so, you know, I think that – basketball should look at lebron james and really thank god for him because he did come in and like stabilize everything for players um, you know with player
0: empowerment yeah he definitely made them a uh he 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 made uh players the nba players union very strong you know Correct. what i'm saying so they stood they stand together they can get stuff done like the nba really don't want to test them um so that's what i really that's one of the biggest thing i only put only other person i can put a Excuse me. Only other person I could put up there with LeBron doing that is Oscar Robertson.
1: Yeah,
0: but I mean, but I will say, don't feel so sorry for Pippen because Pippen ended up making like one hundred and nine million dollars in his career. He actually made 20 million more than Jordan. He pays played 17 years. Jordan played 15 years, but he also got it back from the Bulls because those last two seasons, I don't know if people remember. The last two seasons that he played, when Paxson became the GM, they signed him to two years. So two years, $10 million, and he really didn't play at all. So he got another 10. So that pushes – you put the 10 on there where he didn't do nothing to the 18 in his prime, that's about $28 million. That's fair, right? That's yeah. about what people were making. I mean, and Scotty, you know, one thing I didn't
1: realize until I started looking at numbers when he got to Houston and when he got to Portland, Scotty uh,
0: was, jet, was done.
1: But you say like, he's done? Not in Portland.
0: No. No, no, legit. no.
1: I, I mean like as far as like prime Scotty, right? Like he, he had taken I don't a know, step bro. down.
0: His I don't Portland know, numbers I think, were good, but that well, his team was also was down, really But his numbers were down, but his impact was not. Oh like, yeah, I mean no, yeah. no, no.
1: That I, of course, like Pippin, okay. he was you know I mean the stats, like the, the days of him being considered a top ten player were, were definitely done after Chicago. Uh But, you know, no one can deny his, his impact. It didn't work out in Houston, but no one can deny his impact in uh, in Portland.
0: Yeah, in Portland, um he was really, really good. So, I mean, as far as impact, what he did, leadership, I think they didn't even play a point guard because they were using him and Bonzi mm-hmm. Wells at point guard, so his leadership skills. But, yeah, I think Pippen is overall an underrated player just because he was kind of humble. But in his prime, Pippen goes, man. Yeah,
1: agreed. Um All right, man, I got a couple things for you. Well, one thing. What do you think about Jalen Green deciding to skip college and go sign? This is the first one to sign a G League contract, uh, and it's for $500,000.
0: I think this is huge. I think this is a game changer. I think that the um, NBA is trying to take a step Uh, forward because everyone knows that the one and done rule is going to be eliminated. So they're trying to set up a farm system now. And this is what we talked about like a year ago on the podcast That the NBA needed to utilize the G league and start setting up a farm league. And that's pretty much what they're doing now. And this, I think this is going to benefit everyone because if, You get the high school players, the players that actually believe they want to want to go pro and you let them go to the G League where now G Leagues are each team is kind of structured for the style of the NBA and the style that team plays. They just can't be called up, basically. So you're going to play there. You just can't ever be called up. There'll be players leaving every night, but um, you're going to get you're going to um, be able to get that experience and you're getting paid and they're going to pay for you to go to college. So, you know, the thing, well, what happens if you go to college? Number one, if you make $500,000, you don't need you know, to go to college, but then I guess the case could be, Hey, he could go broke about whatever. Okay. You they can. killed that. They killed that by saying, okay, we'll pay for you to go whatever college you want, whenever you want to go to it. Yep. You know what I mean? So, I mean,
1: it makes sense, right? So
0: now
1: listen, the, I think it's better for the NBA. I think it's better for college. I think it's better for the G league, um, all around. If we yeah. can get these guys who are, we know are going to be at least prospects in our system. It makes our game better. And you know, the, the biggest problem with college basketball, I mean, you know, and everyone who listens probably really knows I hate college basketball. If it's not Arkansas, I'm not watching it. Yeah. Um, outside of the tournament, of course, but, um, you know, the biggest thing is you just can't follow the players. I yep. have no idea who's who's what. And, and um, this will be a good chance for them to really start to rebuild programs with guys who want to be there for four years. So you get more Villanovas, Wichita States, um, a lot of these vet North Carolinas, these veteran laden teams um, that don't focus on one and dones. And these guys can go play basketball and we'll watch and we can connect like, oh, shit, you know what, man, I really like Grant Hill. You know what I mean? Or yeah. I really like so-and-so.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say is I think it's great for college basketball. People people are going to start saying, whoa, you won't have top talent there. You won't have this. You won't have that. But I disagree because I used to love college basketball when you have a player like Juan Dixon, someone that's been there, you know, four years. Because there's certain players that benefit from college that play well in college that are not going to be good in the NBA. That's you, what makes you,
1: you look at guys like uh, Steph Curry, yeah. play four years, CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard. Dwayne Wade, Tim Duncan. I mean, it's not like there there's this, you know, short list of people who, who came in the league after their freshman year that are no good.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I just as a North like I'm a North Carolina fan and I've kind of been watching college basketball less because like there's really nobody for me to connect with. You know what I mean? Like. Kobe White came. I know Kobe White's going to leave. You know what I mean? So even players that shouldn't leave that I would want to connect with, they're leaving early. So that's that's one thing that I think is going to be, benefit everyone. Instead of having these kids go to Australia and these different places, I think just doing a G League, I think is going to make everything better. Like I said, it's like a minor league basketball And it's going to make everything better. It's going to make college better. It's going to be better for the players. It's going to give them some security. Even if they go and they're not ready, they might end up being stuck in the G League for three years. Isn't that better than being stuck in college? At least they get paid something. At least they can get called up. Yep. And the difference
1: was the D League back in the day was making no money. And they were paying these guys. I had a buddy that played in the D League. And uh, he was like, yeah, man, I made like $19,000 one year. And it, it sucked. Um so it, it looks like they're actually going to put investment into the G League and you can see by rewarding a, a top high school recruit um half a million dollars I mean that for an 18 year old kid and it gives it takes it takes the pressure off that kid right I don't have yeah. to go dick around for college for, for 6 months and, and go to class parents. Exactly I my class is basketball I'm here to get better at basketball and I don't have to worry about money my you know if I'm coming from a bad situation I can take care of my people
0: I, you know and and live my life and the best part about this is what people don't think everyone's saying like where are you going to class you're getting education blah 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 but what happens when you don't have to focus on that when all you can, that's why I think going overseas is good. When all, you can, when all you're can—when all you doing is focusing on basketball, getting better, you're not focusing on going to class, you're not doing any of that. You can just do strength training, you can practice with um, grown-ups, you can build your strength up. And that's the most important thing is that you can get stronger. Because what you see is you see some players come into the NBA, and it takes them a half a year even to adjust to the game, the speed, the schedule, the traveling, and all that. If you start in the G League, then you're already going to adjust to traveling, playing games. You know, they don't play 82, but they play enough where you can kind of adjust to the game, the speed, the training, the practices. And by the time you get into NBA, you don't – I think it'll – be an easier transition in the nba than as opposed to going to college because even when you go to college when you come to the nba you need a whole year that's why you see kids year two be way better than year one just because right. their diet was good they trained they shot you know what i mean they can work on their weaknesses you have actual nba coaches or you know assistants or people that's in the system that can work on your shooting you know what i mean and well because
1: that, that's what you just said was the underrated part right um the college and pro games are two different games. I mean, they're, they're, it's almost not even the same sport.
0: Um, yeah. You know, so. but it's also because college isn't focused on developing your skills. It's folk. They're still trying to win. You right. know what I mean? So I might not need you to shoot a jump shot you know i just want you to rebound i just want you to rebound did we know in college that bam could shoot a jump shot did not we know all. in college that bam could dribble and do all these things no just rebound and block shots he gets to miami like oh man this dude can take it coast to coast he can shoot because we might that, have something here yeah that's not what college they don't find that out until they get into those scouting combines but you i mean again you look at guys
1: you know like take the warriors was clay a four-year guy who or a th- clay thompson
0: I you think said, he was, was he? I think it was a four. year Yeah, at, um, either
1: three or four years. He was, up for yeah, class when was he Came out years. of Washington State. Draymond yeah. Green was a four-year guy. Like, I mean, the argument that that you're gonna you know leave college basketball talentless is false. Um, that's what I got, man. Anything before we get into some of the lost players? I, I don't really know what the title is going to be of this episode. We call it the lost players, lost, you know, forgotten about players, forgotten about teams. Of the, I think the it's college.
0: just uh the teams that were the te- the forgotten teams, teams that may have been really, really good, but got beat by the Bulls or got upset in the first. You know what I'm saying? Didn't meet their potential, um, but they were really, really good teams. Yeah. Oh, and players, players that were really good, that maybe never really lived up to the potential that they could be or something happened. So we're just going to give you reminisce, man. We're just going to reminisce about some of these old players that really don't get the re- get the respect they deserve.
1: All right, so who you want to start off with?
0: Uh, Let me see. I want to start off, so we're going to do a team or a player? Let's do a team. Team, team. Okay, my first team that I want to start off with, let's go with 2003-2004 Minnesota Timberwolves. Remember that team? Oh, yeah. That was was
1: the the best KG team uh, that he had.
0: This is the best Minnesota team ever. (laughs) I mean, Uh, so this team was kind of interesting because they uh, signed Troy Hudson in 2002, 2003. It's just kind of a, you know, just a pickup. Terrell Brandon ends up getting hurt. When Terrell Brandon got hurt, they had to, Troy Hudson ended up starting that season. And it was like, man, they found something. He averaged 14.2 points per game 5.7 assists and if you've seen that playoffs he just went crazy on those click yep. pick and rolls with uh kevin garnett
1: 23
0: yeah 23 and a half points five and a half assists two rebounds 1.3 steals in the playoffs they they fell short but what happened is you thought troy hudson was gonna be you know the next point guard nope in the offseason traded for sam Cassell. And when they traded for Sam Cassell, it formed a, a big three of sorts with Sam Cassell, Latrell Sprewell, and um, Kevin Garnett. That team right there was way better than most people remember. As I said, that they, the, they set the franchise record in wins. Uh, KG had his best season probably ever. KG averaged 24.2 points, 13.9 rebounds, 5 assists, 1.5 steals, 2.2 blocks. Like, he was a madman um, during that season. Sam Cassell, throughout his career, he had been clutch, um, did everything. So, getting Sam Cassell, he's probably one of the more unappreciated players in NBA history with his I leadership. Agree. He's kind of like a Chris Paul. Everywhere he goes, he wins, but he was traded like eight times. You know what I, I mean? I think Sam got
1: two rings? Three. Three. He got three. He got two. Right, he we, we'll talk
0: about that later. He's on my list too. Okay, uh, yeah, we we'll go. There, you know. skipping ahead. You know what I mean? We we'll to talk about this thing. but uh, yeah, coached by Flip Saunders. You had Sam Cassell, Kevin Garnett, Latrell Sprewell, Wally Zerviak, who was a knockdown shooter. Uh, Fred Hoiberg. I don't remember Fred him. Boy, yeah, he was a knockdown shooter too. Troy Hudson as the backup. Trenton Housel. You remember him? Long defender. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, let me see. Who else was out here? Mark Madman. Mark Madsen. Mark, <laughs> Mark Madsen. On there. Yeah, your boy Oliver Miller. Uh, from uh, Razorback. Razorback. And you know what
1: i I actually ran into him. Uh, he lives in Arizona. He lives like uh, maybe 30 minutes away from me. Uh, I ran oh, into really? him and I was like, damn, he looks familiar. He's a
0: big Dude. Also has the record for the fattest player in NBA history. Man, he's a big
1: dude. Wow. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, but um, they it looked like this team had a real shot at going to the championship and trying to play for a title, man. Um, unfortunately, Sam Cassell got hurt, man. They, swept, um, they beat the Nuggets 4-1 in the playoffs. They beat the Sacramento Kings, who was still really, really good, 4-3. Got to the um final western conference finals, and Sam Cassell hurt his back in one of those games in Sacramento, he couldn't play. Got swept by the Lakers, and that was the Lakers team that had Gary Payton, Kobe Bryant, Shaq, and Carl Malone. So that was that dynasty Lakers team because Sam Cassell was hurt and he was really the engine to make them go. Um, they just didn't have enough to uh, get over the Lakers, and that's the one thing I remember this series. And this is my biggest knock on Kevin Garnett is that. Those two years in 02, 02 and O three, and 03 and 04, like he deferred way too much. Even though he was mm-hmm. an MVP and he had all these stats, when it really came down to crunch time, he was too willing to pass it to somebody else to take the shot instead of just really dominating and taking over the game, man. And Which I is think why that's, I think
1: I always think Kevin Garnett's legacy, to me in my mind, right, is that's why I have Dirk above him. Um, and, and I know that you could probably – put them in the same boat but for me uh you knew who was getting the ball who's gonna take the shot with Dirk um and yeah KG as dominant as he was man um hey you know, he never had enough help I will agree with that for the most yeah. part but
0: yeah you know, other than that I, I don't know man I don't know I can't say that he didn't have enough help I think that he did I just think that he didn't do anything with it a lot of the times and not that's like I beat the Lakers help though I think he did, man. I mean, Latrell Sprewell in the New York Knicks to the uh, to the playoffs. You know what I mean? And yeah. he, I mean, he Latrell Sprewell was in his prime. Like Latrell Sprewell is is a lot of people don't remember how good Latrell Sprewell was. Oh, he was very good. Yeah, Latrell Sprewell was very very good. So, and then you had Sam Cassell. Even though Sam Cassell got hurt, Troy Hudson was a a big shot maker for you um, the year before, and now. I, I don't know, man. I just think at that point in time, Kevin Garnett was the best player on the team. He should have been able to take over and and lead them past it. And because he was not able to do that, I kind of knocked Kevin Garnett for that. Which is
1: fair. Um, I'm going to get to a, a, a random team for you that a lot of people don't, don't ever think about. Uh, the 2007-2008 New Orleans Hornets.
0: Uh, hmm. I oh, re- I remember that team.
1: CP3 probably should have won an MVP that year. Um, they finished 56 and 26. Uh, they had a really good year the year before. They were 49 and I think like 32 or 33 or whatever it was. Uh, so you could kind of see him coming. But Chris Paul uh, this year was on another level. I mean, and David West. David West was also really good. David West was hitting um, 20 and nine. Chris Paul was at 21 and 11. And then you had a guy like Tyson Chandler, who was at 11 and 11. And then the forgotten Peja Sojakovic was on this team as well. Um, and we'll get to Peja in a little bit, but Peja could ball. I, I know that um, a lot of people give European shit, but Peja was the truth. And, and I don't think people really remember that. Um,
0: yeah, I kind um, of I, kinda, I kinda took him for granted until I really started going back and looking at some of his stats. And, yeah, he was, he was a monster, man. Yeah.
1: And so you took, you had this, this Hornets team that made it. They, they lost to in seven to, um, to San Antonio in the Western Conference semifinals, but who eventually ended up losing to the Lakers. Um, but just a, a team that kind of gets lost. People don't remember like Tyson Chandler, who two years later became a catalyst for the, uh, Dallas Mavericks championship team. I mean, he was one of the defensive player of the year. As I said, Chris Paul probably should have won the MVP this year. They gave it to Kobe. Um, which seemed like more of a makeup year and then you had a guy I, I think Bobby Jackson came around for a short part of that. I mean this this Bobby team, Bobby
0: Jackson.
1: Yeah, boy. This this his <laughs> team was uh was really good. Byron Scott, um, I know it didn't work out in Cleveland. It's been ten years since he's really done anything relevant in coaching, but um, you know, taking the Nets to the playoffs or to the finals two years in a row and then turning around and, and taking the the Hornets deep in the playoffs a couple years in a row, I mean He was a good coach as much as, you know, and, and he's, he's really just needs two of the best point guards of all time, apparently. So Chris Paul, Jason
0: Kidd, that's what I was going to say. I think it comes down to him just needing a, a point guard really. And that's, that's the crazy part. He needs a, like a point guard that can be a general on the floor and display his message. And, um, he expects that from every player and every player is not, not that guy. Yeah. Every player is not Jason Kidd. Every player does not understand the game. Like a uh, uh, Chris Paul, like those are generational talents. Both will probably end up, you know, Jason Kidd's already coaching. Chris Paul will probably end up being a coach, but that's he, he clashes with point guards. He puts so much pressure and responsibility on this point guards that sometimes it gets overwhelming for him and everyone doesn't clash. Cause, like Kyrie, man, I just want to score, man. I don't want to do all this thinking and moving the ball and play trying to defense. play good basketball, play defense, man. What are you talking about? It's basketball. <laughs>
1: yep. Um, who's next on your list?
0: So I'm gonna go from a team. And since I already went and talked about boy Sam Cassell, Sam Cassell, man, I think he's a, a underrated player. Uh I don't think he gets talked about enough. I don't think people really realize how good Sam Cassell was. Sam Cassell was drafted the 24th pick um in '93. He went to Houston. He was traded like seven times. He played for eight different teams in 15 years, and I don't think any of them was really his fault. His best year, as I said, he was an all-star in 03, 04, Um, three-time NBA champ. He won two uh, with Houston, 94, 95. He got one in 08 with the Celtics. He didn't really contribute, but he has some some decent production there. He has 15,635 points all time, 15.7 points. 5,939 assists, six, six per game on average. Um yeah, man. But one of the one of the craziest things is when he was a, a rookie, he came in and he was backup to Kenny the Jet. But very early on, you could see that he was a really, really clutch player. I mean, at the by the end of the season, Sam Cassell was closing out games, even though Kenny Anderson was a veteran because yep. of his shooting. So he was closing out games. He was a good shooter. He's known for his mid-range jump shot. But he's been he was very, very productive throughout his career. Uh, and yeah, he gave re- us
1: the uh, the what was it? crazy your nuts
0: dance or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> yeah, the big balls. I got well, balls.
1: He was <laughs> Sam Cassell was the uh, alien before Rondo. Uh, you, yeah, you just always assumed that Sam Cassell was a monster or he was going to get beamed <laughs> back up soon. Um, you know, but I agree with you. That that dude, he was bad, underrated.
0: Yeah, and his rookie season um, when he was, they were playing in that. Um, They were playing against the Suns in the Western Conference Finals and he dropped 22.7 assists in Game 7 to put them to advance. In that game, in the Game 3 of the Finals versus the Knicks, when they played, he scored 7 points in the final 32 seconds. So this is him doing this as a rookie with Hakeem Olajuwon, you know, Kenny Anderson. He's the one that's making these plays down the stretch. And that was big for them in addition. That's why I know this is an unpopular opinion. I think that... The Houston Rockets would have beat the Bulls either way it goes in 94. You know what I mean? No, 93. I'm sorry. 93, I think the Houston Rockets beat the Bulls in the finals. But that's here and I, or there. I keep telling people, man, I think you and I have talked about this before. Anytime people say that the Bulls would have won eight or nine straight, it's just it ain't happening. You know? yeah, that, Rocket, that Rockets team was a problem for them. Like They had real trouble with that Rockets team, the depth and the size, and they had no answers for Akeem Olajuwon. So I'm not saying that they didn't wouldn't have built the team and changed the team the very next year, but one of those years, either in 93 or 94, one of those years I believe that Houston would have beat um, the Bulls either way it goes.
1: I think um, 96, 97 could have been tough for them too, but we'll get to that in a minute.
0: Um, yeah. Well, I want to go some more. Uh, Sam Cassell, after he played for Houston, he was traded to Phoenix in '96. Uh, he was a part of that Charles Barkley trade. Yeah. Um, he so he start um, he 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 played pretty good them. Then he was traded to Dallas for Jason Kidd when Jason Kidd got into it with uh, Jim Jackson. So he was part of that trade. He ended oh, for up Tony sign- Braxton. Yeah. So he ended up signing with the Nets. Going there with because when he went to Dallas, Jim Jackson was also traded. So he got traded twice in the same season in 96 97, but that's because he was on a rookie contract. So they traded him twice. He ended up with the Nets. He balls out with the Nets, resigns the next year, and then gets traded (laughs) to the, uh, to the, uh, to the Bucks. He got yep. traded to the Bucks in that three way trade because Stephen Marbury got into it with the management he wanted to be traded. So Marbury ended up going to uh, the Nets. Terrell Brandon ended up going to Minnesota, and Sam Cassell went to the Bucks. Now what if Sam Cassell would have went to Minnesota in that trade? That would have mean that they would have got him like two got him 2 years earlier and he would have been there longer with Kevin Garnett in his prime. I believe if that happens that changes Kevin Garnett's career completely. I mean, it probably changes both of them. Yeah, know? I agree. We're, and we're talking
1: about Sam Cassell more often. But yeah, uh, who
0: you got next?
1: Man, for me, Baron
0: Davis. Um I love Baron. Baron
1: what I first of all, I gotta say, Charlotte in their history has let some players slip through their fingers. Good. Small market
0: small market team.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, so they lost Alonzo Morning to Miami. Larry Johnson ended up hurting his back, was never really the same. He ends up in New York. Um, you had Chris Paul, you had Baron Davis, um, you know, I'm sure I'm forgetting so Glenn Rice. Um, you had a lot of good cats in Charlotte. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but Baron Davis, man, you know, drafted in ninety nine. Uh I think he blew out his knee in 0405.
0: Was that right? I can't remember the exact day when he blew out his knee. No, I know it wasn't he the he same. He blew out
1: his knee in
0: 0809 with the Knicks. Okay.
1: Um so I mean you just talk about you just talk about a, a cold cat man. At his peak, he was leading the League in Steals twice at two and a half a game. Um, and it looked like what you were getting from him, night in, night out, was twenty one and seven assists. Um, yeah. but, explosive too. I mean, explosive. I mean, this dude. How tall is Baron Davis? Six foot, six one? Like,
0: nah, he's about six three. He's listed at six three. I don't think he's six <laughs> three. I've seen him play in person. There ain't no way he's
1: six three. Oh uh, no. I think I All think right. he' like six one. Um, but either way, I mean, you talk about a little guard with some with some uh, springs. This dude was jumping out the gym, uh, you know, that Hornet, the Hornets with that cool ass, a honeycomb court. Um, he made Charlotte cool. Then they went to New Orleans, um, you know, end up bringing in Chris Paul. They shipped him to Golden State, and he became part of that We Believe Warriors team that with him, Matt Barnes, Steven Jackson, um, uh, uh, Andres Beatrice, uh, like a bunch of good ass dudes on that team.
0: And that We Believe Warriors team is a really underrated team um yeah I, I like that we believe we're that's my a young monte ellis, when monte he was ellis. Still explosive explosive and dunking so yeah
1: and you know we talk about Bear, the biggest thing with baron davis was it he could never stay healthy um and then yeah. he finally ended up blowing out of knee in new york and and it was it was over in 12 years um and, and of those 12 years uh he only played i think he played less than 50 like six of those years um so you know we're literally talking about a six-year period with him where he where he was at 22, seven and and two and a half steals and really dominating the league where you kind of lost that physicality of point guards right in came the steve nash of the world um and a lot of guys i mean the game was just going in a different direction tony parker you saw a lot of the euro um influence but baron davis was that old school 90s cat of the gary payton ilk who would talk shit back you down i mean he was just big and strong from from just a body perspective
0: man and the when he used to dunk on people man it'd be so strong and powerful because he was just so explosive with that bigger body i mean if if baron davis would could have been like six six maybe he would have been dominant. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Legitimately. Like, it's just his height, but the way he exploded and got to the rim and used his body to really, you know, move people around and push people around, like, he's definitely one of those players where you can say, man, what if he could have stayed healthy? I think he's in that argument of, like, a Penny Hardaway and these other players, like, what if? Because yeah. he had all the skills. So I definitely agree with that, man.
1: Who's, uh, uh, who's, who's your next team?
0: So my next team, I want to stick with my boy Sam Cassell. I think this is one of the really, really underrated teams in history. Coached by George Carl, the 2000-2001 Milwaukee Bucks. Almost made the finals. Yeah, they went 52-30. and 30. And the only reason people don't know about them is because Iverson had one of the greatest playoff runs in Eastern Conference history. Like, Philly went through Toronto Raptors with Vince Carter. I think that went seven, and it took him to score have like scoring records in the fourth quarter to just wheel them over. And then in the Eastern conference finals, they met up with this 2000, 2001 bucks, which consisted of Sam Cassell, big dog, Glenn Robinson and Ray Allen in that year, Ray Allen and big dog, Glenn Robinson, both made the, um, made the all-star game averaging 22 points a year. I mean, 22 points a game, man. They also had, uh, skip to my Lou on the team. I don't think he played much, but worth mention, mentioning. They had Lindsey Hunter. Uh, people don't remember Lindsey Hunter, but Lindsey Hunter was a quality point guard, good defender. They got him from Detroit. Uh, knocked Yeah, they got him from – also had a young Michael Red on the team. Um, but one of my favorite players that I think never really met his potential was on the team also, Tim Thomas, man. Tim Thomas was really really good player. Because Tim Thomas
1: was lazy as hell, man. Just he a was. lazy cat,
0: dude. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, but yeah, man, I think that 2000 2001 Bucks team, man, if Iverson wouldn't have just went crazy on them and just been a dominant force, I think that team, I mean, they still would have got beat by the Lakers, but it was a more well-rounded team than um it was a more well-rounded team than uh than the the Sixers in my opinion.
1: Yeah, um, definitely an underrated team. Um, yeah, like I said, I mean, close to, was Tony Kukoc on that team?
0: Nah, Kukoc wasn't on that team. Darvin Ham was on that team, Jason Caffey, but nah, Kukoc wasn't on that team. Okay, because I know he was Jerome Kersey. Jerome <laughs>
1: Kersey, okay, yeah. Um, definitely a team that, that, and that they had them cold-ass jerseys. Uh, yeah. The one with the green the buck the, on
0: it. Yeah, the big buck on the front. Yeah, cold-ass jerseys.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> Man, my next team I want to talk about is the 96-97 Houston Rockets. Um, mm. We we give a lot of shit to Charles Barkley about never getting there, but I always tell people Chuck just had bad luck, man. It, you know, uh, Sixers win. Can the get title, along with Pippen. Him and, well, no. But, well, Pippen his 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 legacy is different, but Barkley, you know, the Sixers win the title eighty three. He gets drafted eighty four. The Sixers, I mean, Doc is done. Uh, Sixes are trash uh, for most of the late 80s. Um, the 90s, the, the Suns team 91, 92, were really good. 93, he gets there. Tom Chambers is too old. Um, uh, KJ had started to uh, succumb to a couple of those knee injuries, even though he was still a bad dude in 93. Uh, but he just didn't catch those, those guys at their peak. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, he gets to Houston in 96, 97, Uh, you know, Houston had won two titles in 95 and 96, or excuse me, 94 and 95. Um, And now next thing you know, Barkley's there. And these guys won, they went 57 and 25. They lost in the Western Conference Finals um, in six to Utah off a last second John Stockton shot. Do you you remember this shot? Um, Nah. They they, Houston had Matt Maloney, who was a, a pure shooter. I remember him. Yeah, yeah, I, actually a really decent shooter. But uh, John Stockton gets the ball the top of the key. He's probably about three feet behind the um, the three point line. Man chucks it up, nothing but that swish. And Utah's in the in the NBA finals, Um Which is which is
0: why he's in my top ten. I mean,
1: Stockton was cold blooded, man. Uh, but Barkley this year averaged nineteen and thirteen. Uh, Hakeem twenty three and nine. And Clyde Drexler, 18-6-6. Six, six. I mean, this was legitimately the last hurrah for these dudes. Barkley ends up out his Achilles the next year. Hakeem is done, done, ends up in Toronto yeah. a couple years later. Clyde was done. Um, you know, a team that, like I said, they make the finals. This Bulls team, uh, with Scottie Pippen dealing with some of these, these back injuries, um, And Indiana almost beating – This Bulls team. Oh
0: yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They that was a year before Pippen got there, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you you know, Indiana almost almost. uh, Well, Indiana almost beat them in in '98. Who almost beat Chicago in '97? They they had a tough time getting through somebody. It's slipping my mind right now, but um, it wasn't New York. Somebody took them to either six or
0: seven games. Um, I I don't remember who it was. I know, but, I know what you talked talking about. Like, they had to come back, like, on the road. I remember that.
1: Yeah. and they, Well, and Utah almost ended up beating them in the finals that year. Yeah. The Bulls were up 2-0. Utah won game 2-3. Two, 2-3 three, two, three, and – sorry, won game 3-4 and lost game 5 by a field goal, um, the flu game.
0: Well, so, they got – because I thought that um, the Jazz got beaten 6 both times, right?
1: They did. But so it was 2-0 Chicago. Utah wins game three and four, and game five um, was in Chicago. Jordan has the flu game. They beat Utah by two points. If Utah wins that game, they're up 3-2 going back to Salt Lake City, which I think they had the best home record in the league, and there's a chance that they beat that team in
0: you know one out of two games. Um, if it was a fifth, we all be drunk.
1: Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> uh, but but that Rockets team was a very formidable team. They were, they were definitely at their last bit um and like i said you, you just saw a team that if they had made the finals there's a world where, where Barkley finally gets a ring and, and hakeem three beats
0: um it didn't happen Shit. so Shit, that man <laughs> uh jordan would have knocked him out that was a 72 in season, right
1: no that was the, the, the i think the next year they went 67. you said 96. no this was 90 90s
0: 97.
1: Bulls what bulls went 90 uh, 72 and 10 and 95 96 right let's see 95
0: 96 96 97 97 90, yeah 95 yeah. 96 okay so this was
1: the, the bulls on 67 they were 6 7 and 15
0: or something like that this year okay so this was 96 97 yeah
1: yeah right. um so th- i mean this was a team like i said
0: that, that if if th- if something broke right they could have got them bulls would have kicked their ass so they good either way <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Uh, so my next player I've talked about him and I'm gonna continue to talk about him and I'm gonna continue to tell you this is why I hate the Lakers. Nick Van Axel, Nick the Quick, you know what I'm (laughs) saying? Nick the quick. Yeah, Nick the Quick is one of my favorite players of all time. Um, I, I never had like a deep hatred for the Lakers. I mean, I was always kind of, uh, you know what I'm saying? I didn't love them, didn't hate them. But I started to like them when they drafted Nick Van Exel in 93. Nick Van Exel and Eddie Jones were a part of the rebuild. They were part of the rebuild after the Showtime Lakers. So Nick Van Exel was taken, Eddie Jones was taken, and it took them two years but they ended up making uh, making the playoffs in 95 after missing it in 94 for the first time since shit <clears throat> not the 70s or something, something like that. Um he averaged uh he was two-time assist leader uh for the Lakers. He averaged 14-9, 7.3. He was really, really good. The problem was that they never really got over the hump with him. Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones, they were good players, but they never really, you know, took them anywhere. They were going out in the first and the second round. Then they end up getting Shaq, and they get Kobe. Nick Van Exel was a hothead in 96. He That's pushed the ref, got ejected, seven-game suspension. He was arguing with the coach. Um, all right, but the coach was an idiot, too, but he was arguing with the coach. He didn't get along, and at the end of the day, they wanted to find a way. After Kobe's rookie year... They wanted to find a way to get Kobe more involved. And they couldn't do that with um, Nick Van Axel and Eddie Jones. So they end up moving both those guys. But, you know, that's not my problem. My problem with the Lakers is not that they moved him. It's that they moved him to the fucking Denver Nuggets, who are the worst team in the NBA. And right now, you guys are thinking, oh, so what? No, this is a different time. This is when you only got a couple of games and on, like, TNT I don't think you got them on ESPN. You got them maybe on WGN, but you weren't getting NBA games like this. And I can guarantee you one thing, the damn Nuggets, they weren't on TV. (laughs) So I literally didn't get to see Nick Van Exel play again until he went to Dallas. And by the time he got to Dallas, He he was washed up. You know what I mean? I saw Nick Van Exel on highlights, and it's not like he didn't even play well. He still played well when he was in Denver. Uh, I think he averaged, what, like this first year in Denver, he averaged like 24 points a game. He was still balling. Man, that just... was
1: cold. And, but I was going to say the exact same thing. He was a hothead. I, the, my earliest memory of Nick Van Exel was when he ran and chest bumped a ref onto the scorer's table. Yeah. And they were like, oh, no, this dude has got to go. Um, But that was a fun Lakers team, though, because I think they had Cedric Cibalos, too.
0: Yep, Cedric Cibalos. Yeah, yeah. that was a good. I I do want to tell you that when he got traded to Dallas, I just want to read these names. So it was Nick Van Axel, Rafe LaFriends and Avery Johnson traded to Dallas for Jawan Howard, Donnell Harvey, Tim Hardaway, and a 2002 first round pick. Yuck.
1: (laughs) Yuck.
0: But Ray LaFrance, I remember when Ray LaFrance went to Dallas, everyone thought, oh my God, Dallas is getting Ray LaFrance. They're going to unblock him. Yeah, people love Ray LaFrance. Like, I hated Ray LaFrance. He's basically like poor man's dirt. Yeah. <laughs> People love I hate it, Ray for Friends. But yeah, man, Nick Van Axel really never lived up to his potential after he got traded to Denver. I blame the Lakers for that, which I would never like the Lakers because they disrespected Nick. They could have traded him to a quality team where he could succeed. No, they traded him to the Denver Nuggets. Literally the worst organization at the time and it ruined his career. And I hate them forever for it. Well, you know. But where else are they
1: talking about Nick Van Axel at? So you know, that's how much we know about basketball,
0: y'all. Well, I just want to give Nick the quick the respect he deserved. Left-hand jumper, smooth pull-up. He was one of the players that really, I mean, people, people remember Jason Williams for the, you know, coming down, pulling up three, jacking up shots. It was fun as a kid to watch Nick Van Axel because he played, like, street ball in the NBA. You know what I mean? Yeah. That left-handed handles. jumper. I mean, yeah.
1: And then, do you remember his weird-ass free throw thing where he stands at the top of the key and shoot it?
0: I don't remember. I forgot forgot about that. He used to stand like
1: two or three feet behind the line and shoot his free throw. It was always very odd.
0: But that's because he uh, he shot a lot of threes, so his range was probably off. As you're going to see on my list, I had an infinity. I mean, I had... I really loved left-hand players. I don't know. I was weird. Left-hand players that were like pigeon-toed was like cold to me. (laughs) Or (laughs) bow-leg. Bow-leg or pigeon-toed left-hand players were like the coldest people that you could be.
1: (laughs) So... Next on my list, um, Gilbert
0: Arenas. Oh um, uh, yeah, Agent Gil- Zero.
1: Gilbert had a very weird career and a very short peak. I mean, this cat was only in the league ten years. Talk about a class! And, and see, so you and I always talk about basketball nostalgia in the early two thousands, and I think that this was like peak bad. Like I, I don't, <laughs> I think I think we were in a shallow talent pool in in, in during this time. Um, you think about a lot of these teams. They only had one guy, you know, Paul Pierce, uh, T Mac in Orlando. Uh, you know, you know what I mean. It was just a, a yeah. lot of scattered crap around the league. Um, but Golden State with, with Gilbert Arenas kind of popped out of nowhere near you too. Uh, and he had only been in Golden State for two years. I still have no idea how he got to Washington. Did they trade him?
0: I really don't know. I think he may have signed as a free agent. That Golden State team was like. It's weird because they were, they had talented, but they were really bad. But a lot of talent came on that team. You know what I'm saying? They yeah. had one time, they had Jason Richardson, Gilbert Arenas, and Antoine Jameson, who they had drafted. Yep. And they were a really fun team to watch. Yep. But then, like, two of them ended up on Washington. <laughs> and
1: I can't and really remember how it there.
0: happened. But, yeah, me either.
1: You know, but Gilbert Arenas, man, at his peak, he went through a three-year stretch of 29 points a game, 28 points a game. Uh well, excuse me, 25 points a game, 29 points a game, 28 points a game. Um and these Washington Wizards teams were battling the early LeBron Cleveland Cavaliers. Um
0: but they also had uh Deshaun Stevenson, Deshaun Stevenson on that team. That was that would give LeBron I uh, I don't know if he gave him trouble, but he could get in his head a little bit. Well,
1: cuz Deshaun was crazy. Uh um, yeah. like it was one of those guys where I'm pretty sure LeBron was like yeah, he might fucking choke me out. Uh, you know, <laughs> he got the, cause what he had, the, the Mount Rushmore tattooed on his throat or something crazy.
0: Yeah. Like, just, I, the, I don't know what it was, but I mean, I, I was a fan of Deshaun Stevenson, but yeah, they um, flamed out too.
1: Gilbert basically had a four year peak where, in Washington, where, I mean, you talk about like a shooting star or a comet or something and, and was, was out immediately. Um, he blew his knee out in 07 um, didn't play in, the, in uh, 2008 or in 2009, came back for a short period of time in 2010, uh, 2011, and basically was just never the same. And then, of course, Did you mentioned the, the gun. It's uh, once he brought the guns in the locker room, uh, Washington kind of realized, like, yeah, this guy's already blown out his knee and he ain't worth the headache.
0: So, but, but no, that's not true because Washington signed him to a hundred million dollar contract. Was that that summer? Yeah, they like signed him to a hundred million dollar contract, and I'm pretty sure he was still injured. Like they signed him with the knee injury. They ended up having to trade that contract, and then for some curious reason, Orlando trades. Orlando for took
1: it. That's right. And then he <laughs> Orlando, ended up on Memphis.
0: Like one, yeah, like one year into it, Orlando trades for that hundred million dollar contract. A dude that got in trouble and got suspended for the guns had a knee injury. They trade for the hundred million dollar contract and get stuck with it. And I think they. One of the, that's when that um what is that thing called that stretch provision the it's amnesty
1: so, rule the amnesty, amnesty
0: rule came in and pretty much saved them from that contract but The weird thing about Gilbert is he started off with humble beginnings. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like being in Golden State, nobody knew who he was. He goes to Washington. He proves himself. That Washington was probably one of the worst teams ever. Not on the court, but I'm talking about environment-wise. That locker room was like one of the worst locker rooms. It it pretty much hurt JaVale McGee because we see how talented JaVale McGee is now. Nick Young, too. Yeah, Nick Young was there. JaVale McGee. You had Gilbert Arenas as the leader for those. Just the clown. We all... We all know that JaVale McGrew, I mean Gilbert Arenas, is nuts now, so it wasn't good. But Gilbert, he went from being truly humble to truly arrogant. You know what I mean? And it was just like one of the biggest polar, like bipolar things you've ever seen. But But I I, I agree.
1: On the court, that dude was at his peak. I mean, everybody remembers the shot where he took for damn near half court, turned around before it went in, and it. it, (laughs) I mean. Gilbert Arenas was incredible. If y'all out there are bored and just are looking for, you know, something to watch, go watch some Gilbert Arenas h- highlights from, uh, you know, 04, 05, 0- from basically from 04 to 08, Gilbert Arenas was a problem. Um, but, you know, ne- never really, like I said, a real strange career, a short career, probably a guy that I, for you probably won't ever really talk about again. Uh, yeah. But, that's what I got. Who's uh, who's uh what's the next team on your list?
0: Next team is the 92-93 Phoenix Suns, man. Uh your boy Charles Barkley. They went 62 and 20, was coached by Paul Westfall. Um, they just traded for uh Charles Barkley. On that team, they traded Jeff Hornacek, who was an all-star. I mean, yep. you know, of the Jazz fame, but he was an all-star. Tim Perry and Andrew Lang. Some people say this is the best trade in Phoenix Suns history, which it obviously is, I mean, because they got Charles Barkley, uh, who went, who became the MVP of the league that very season they traded for, for Jeff Hornacek, Tim Perry, and Andrew Lang.
1: <laughs> How does that even
0: happen? Still. So that year, um, as I said, Charles Barkley became the MVP of the league. They also signed Danny Ainge that year. Dan Marley and Charles Barkley were MVPs. I'm mean, not MVPs, all stars that year. Um, really good team, man. They had Danny Ainge, Charles Barkley, Tom Chambers, Cedric Ceballos, Richard Dumas from Tulsa. Richard uh, who Dumas. Was yeah, he was really impactful though. 15.8 points a game. They had KJ Kevin Johnson, Dan Marley. Oliver Miller was also on this team. But um Kevin Johnson only played 49 games because he got injured and this team still went 62 and 20. They went to the playoffs, you know. It's funny because as good as this team was going 62 and 20, in the first round they were down 2-0 to the Lakers <laughs> and this is back when there was a five-game series so 2-0 looked like you were in trouble they end up winning the next three go three and two get past them they beat the San Antonio four to two they beat Seattle four to three who just really always had trouble getting over the hump and then lost four to two to Chicago but in game three they had a three overtime game in which they won but they still just couldn't beat the Bulls but this was a really really good Team, man, I'm, the names on there had shooting. Charles Barkley was a point forward. Um, Jordan was just too much, man. This is early Jordan. This is prime, hungry Jordan, and they just couldn't get past him.
1: Well, and people don't remember, I, you know. I, and I, now that I'm looking at this at my list, I kind of wish that one of us had uh, done KJ. Kevin Johnson was the truth before he heard it yeah. me, and he used to get Magic Johnson problems, uh, but. It seemed like KJ didn't really love basketball. He was just kind of there because he was good. But, and it goes to my point with Charles Barkley and bad luck. If if Charles Barkley gets to Phoenix two years sooner, yeah. Phoenix has a legitimate shot at a title. I don't, I think they take that Portland spot in the 92 finals. Uh, True. In the 91 finals, who was that? Was that uh oh, that was the Lakers. That was an old Lakers, Lakers team. Oh, no, that
0: was an old Lakers team. Yeah. So, I, I mean But I mean I don't know that Lakers team was still good. They were they were a running team. But Phoenix, you know what I mean,
1: they they lost to they beat Phoenix in the Western Conference Finals, so you just assume if Barkley yeah, on that team.
0: Yeah, you true. If you add Barkley to that team, then it's it's probably a different story. But I mean some people's career go like that, man. You just yeah. you don't have control of where you're gonna go. So um are we on players or are we on teams still? Uh I just did uh I just did a team. Okay.
1: So, uh, my next team is going to be the 0-2 Sacramento Kings. Um, you know, in all reality, this is a team that probably should have won a title. Um, they got cheated 100%. I mean, you can't even find this game on YouTube. David Stern has burned every bit of evidence of this tape uh, from game seven <laughs> of, of, that, of the um, – Western Conference Finals against the Lakers, I mean, tr- a true travesty. And the East was so bad at this time that it was basically whoever came out of the West. I mean, you saw the Lakers were beating the hell out of everybody in the East. Um, the Spurs were beating the hell out. I mean, whoever it was, the West was the actual. The Western Conference Finals might, have been, might as well have been the NBA Finals. Uh, yeah. And this Kings team was really, really good. Um, they went 61-21. and 21. Um, they ended up losing in, I want, they lost in seven to the, in the Western Conference Finals, but, uh, real emergence of Page, Stoyakovic, Bobby Jackson, uh, Mike Bibby, uh, Doug Christie was a, was an all world defender, uh, Chris Weber, Vladi Divak. I mean, you, you put this team in today's league and that's a good team. Uh, they were one of those early passing the basketball ball movement teams where, Everyone, one through five, could make the right basketball play. Vlade was an excellent passer. Um, Chris Weber was an excellent passer. And Peja Stojakovic could flat out shoot the lights out the gym. Um, and Mike Bibby was clutch. Um, a team that, I mean, like I said, this – this they probably get lost in the shuffle, kind of like no one talks about that 2000 uh, Trailblazers team. Uh, but those Kings teams back in the day were very, very good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree, man. They kind of, they kind of got screwed over, but you know what? Can you do? You can't go back and rewrite history at this point. Yep.
1: Uh, who's next player on your list?
0: Well, next player, I'm gonna go with Damon Stoudemire, man. Damon Stoudemire is probably one of Mighty my favorite Mouse. players. Mighty Mouse as I said man I'm I had an infatuation with uh small left-hand quick guards man Damien Stoudemire was drafted in 95 as the number 7 overall pick at that time I think he was one of the uh one of the lower the second lowest pick to ever win rookie of the year He had an outstanding rookie year, man. He averaged 19 points, nine assists. Uh, He was second in scoring among rookies. He set the rookie three-point record at that time for 133. Um, He beat Dennis Scott's record. He was third in assist average by any rookie ever. You know what I mean? Like, he had had an outstanding rookie year. The problem is he just couldn't keep that momentum going. You know what I mean? He was on a bad Raptors team. I don't know if they overused him or what. But he was one of the first guards to really come out and really focused on shooting three-pointers because at that time they weren't shooting threes like that in 95, 96. Like what he was doing was amazing coming in shooting six, seven threes per game at point guard being like 5'10". Yep. Um, So that's one of the biggest impact. I mean, he ended up getting traded to uh, Portland for Kenny Anderson and Alvin Williams and Gary Trent Jr. And, He just never was the same. His best years were in Toronto. He was a role player for Portland. Like I said, he was even on that team that faced the Lakers with Scottie Pippen and Bonzi Wells, but he got benched during the season. He showed up during the playoffs, but basically after his first couple of years as a rookie, he never lived up to what he was as a rookie, man, but he's still one of my favorite players.
1: Super nice dude, too. He played for Memphis, coached in Memphis. Um, Got to meet him a couple times. Really nice dude, uh, but... Yeah, it seemed like he only had like a three-year stretch where he was really good and then was never the same after that. Um, I agree. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: Next player on my list, Peja Um Again, I, I won't go too deep into this, but Pesha was, was the truth. A career 17-point uh, average. Um, and that's with a couple of, uh, uh, you know, everyone has a, his first year was, was iffy, and then they still weren't sure if, if the year, yeah. over, I think he was drafted the year after Dirk. Um, and we were still very unsure about uh, Europeans at that point. But he <laughs> winning a title in Dallas, he was um, very instrumental with with these um, uh, New Orleans teams and Sacramento teams. And I forgot he played in Indiana for uh, half a season before he went to New Orleans.
0: I didn't even know that.
1: Yep. But I mean, at his peak, you're talking about Page Stoyakovich was um, 24 and six. 21 and five. I mean, so you're talking about for a guy that wasn't like a physically overpowering player, a dude who could just straight up shoot the lights out the gym. And I think if Page and he could handle the ball, he could pass the ball. He's a, he and Hito Turkoglu. Um, you know, you, you're talking about guys in 2020 that maybe you can't build a team around them per se, but they're definitely if they're your second best player, you you got a real shot.
0: Yeah, man, Paiza was really clutch too, man. He he was a pure shooter. You can depend on him, you know what I mean? And he he could light it up, man. So Paige is a really good pick, man. Uh so we're on teams, right? So my next team I'm going to go with the 0304 Pacers. Coached by Rick Carlisle, who I feel got screwed because he built that Detroit Pistons team up. He built all the foundations of the defense and playing team basketball, and then they let Larry Brown come in and take all the credit for winning the championship. The
1: NBA's version of John Gruden. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, uh, but yeah, that that two thousand three, two thousand four um, Pacers team, they went sixty one and twenty one. And when I say Pacers, you think. You know Reggie Miller, but actually Reggie Miller was on the downswing on this team. He only oh, averaged ten points a game. Yeah. This was Jermaine O'Neal's team. Jermaine O'Neal was in his prime. He was an all-star. He was third in MVP voting. That team had Jamal Tinsley. Um, during this time, you know, it was big on the and one. Jamal Tinsley was one of those n one players. They call him the ten man, I believe. You know,
1: uh, talk about a surprise in history because I remember Jamal Tinsley. And you, would you ever like? think about him being the player that he was like this dude was like a
0: thug like (laughs) yeah i mean but i i I mean i saw him before then so i kind of knew already i didn't know he was banging though yeah (laughs) i had no idea yeah he couldn't uh he he couldn't stay yeah he couldn't and he was an asshole too he was man
1: i did not know he was game banging like that like this dude was (laughs) for real yeah I, i think he ended up going to to jail for some crazy shit
0: I mean, I didn't really look up. I didn't do the Jamal Tinsley research. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, I, this was a really good team, man. This was prime War on got the defensive player of the year. You had Jamal Tinsley, I said Reggie Miller was on there. You had Jermaine O'Neal that was dominating Scott Pollard that came over from the Kings. You had Al Harrington. Um this is you had uh Jonathan Bender, who you think is ruined the NBA. <laughs> I
1: mean he, he was bad,
0: man. Yeah, but uh, Austin Crozier, you remember him? Oh, he, was yeah. the, he was big for the – he was big shooter. Um, but, yeah, this was a good team, man. They just couldn't get over the hump. They beat Boston 4-0. They beat the Heat 4-2 and then ended up losing to that Pistons team. The team that Rick Carlisle built up ended up beating them. So, but it, the funny part about this is they got significantly better after Larry Bird took over. The first year he took over, the first thing he did was fired Isaiah Thomas because he's had three – three straight first round exit in that very year where they fired him, put in Rick Carlisle, they went 61 and 21 and made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And by
1: all intents and purposes, probably wouldn't have won the title knowing that the Pistons won it the next year. Um, Indiana's probably built for a title if Ron Artest doesn't go into those stands. Uh, They were a very good team and they gave the Lakers headaches. Um, Quick note on Larry Bird though, he came really, really close to winning titles as a player a coach and an executive um you know he coached yeah. the the paces to the 2000 finals uh where they just got mopped up um and then like i said he built this title team and, and could have they could have won a title um so larry I, think,
0: I think that yeah i think larry bird was a really really good executive i really don't know what went wrong i don't know like larry bird never seems like fully committed in anything well, even in basketball you know what i mean he
1: said that he was like look i'll coach but i'm only gonna coach for three years and he did and he's like, I only want to do uh, – I want to work in the front office for just a little bit of time. And he did. Um, but, yeah, those those Pacers team, those mid-2000s Pacers teams were very, very good. Um, my next team, man, the 2010 Phoenix Suns. Um, I know everyone talks about the 7 team with Steve Nash getting chest bumped by Robert Ory in the Western Conference Finals. Um, but we talk about the Suns from really 4 to 0 0- 2010, I uh, had a great stretch of basketball, made the Western Conference Finals twice, um, lost in six in 2010 to the eventual champion Lakers. And I actually remember, um, great series. LA won the first two games, um, Phoenix won the next two, and the Lakers needed every bit of, a, um, it was a follow-up shot by Pal Gasol that mm. at the last second to beat the suns 103 to 101 in game six in game seven team. kobe bryant hits this incredible i and i didn't look this up i just remember I, I mean, <laughs> incredible defense by i want to say it was sean marion um incredible perimeter fadeaway, uh mid-range jumper uh in the corner and man he hit this shot that was just so incredible he looked over at alvin gentry slapped him on the ass and alvin was just like he just smiled he's like what the fuck yeah. can we do
0: and yeah you can't do anything
1: yeah i mean, I mean this was when kobe and power really at the peak of their powers but this now did that
0: phoenix team have joe johnson on it
1: phoenix, no this team did not have joe johnson they had um gordon uh that oh that was when he was young but um let me see here Th- this this was a, a really good team um you know they. I think they ended up winning 54 games that year. Um, Steve Kerr was the GM of this team. This was uh, right after they had gotten rid of Shaq. <laughs> uh, for, for in a, you know, Steve Kerr always talks about he would never made that trade again. But for a team that that, if we can talk about how good Steve Nash was, um, you had Amari Stoudemire averaging 23 and 8. Um, you had Steve Nash at 16 and 11. You had Jason Richardson. I forgot he was even on that team, but Jason Richardson was averaging 15-5 a game. He
0: kind of floated for a while.
1: Yeah, and and then you had Grant Hill, who only averaged 11 points a game, but was a real defensive nightmare um, at this point in his career.
0: He kind of revived his career towards the end he with did. Phoenix and going to... And I think, you know, that was back in the day when Phoenix was known as the team that had the great medical staff that can yep. revive your revive your career just by what they were doing. With him and Shaq? And Grant Hill went, yeah, him, Shaq, and uh, Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway went there, and he had a good run and ended up going to the Knicks afterwards, I believe, because of their medical staff.
1: But let me ask you this. If I told you this team made it to the Western Conference Finals, would you believe me? So after Grant Hill... We got Channing Frye, Jared Dudley, Robin Lopez, Goran Dragic, Leandro Barbosa, Lou Amundsen, and Jaron Collins, and Earl Clark.
0: Yuck. Yeah, but you got to remember Leandro Barbosa was cold right there. When they isolated him, Leandro Barbosa got to the rim and wheeled up we so fast. Yeah, he he kind of took everyone by storm. Did they call him like the, the Brazilian Bar- Blur or something like that? The bl- Brazilian Blur, Le- Leandro Leandro um, Barbosa and Dredgic together were a real problem because they, they both could kind of spread you out, isolate Don't shit on new men. <laughs> they were hard to guard, bro. Yeah,
1: so people may not remember um, that that two thousand. I mean, the signs have had some good teams throughout history, and, and they just could never get over the hump. Uh, who's your next player, man?
0: My next player, I'm going to go with the franchise, Steve Francis. Um, he had a career from 99 to about 2010. He was the number two overall pick in 99. Uh, it's funny because he was drafted by the Vancouver Grizzlies, and he said, I will not play for you guys. Yep. said, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. And I think he had pretty good reasons. He cited he refused to play because the distance from his home in Maryland, taxes, Endorsement deals, and the most important, God's will, <laughs> said, and the fact that Vancouver was
1: pure trash at this point.
0: Yeah, they were. They were. They were really, really bad. But he st- he said he would never report. Then he actually tried, and they were having negotiate. This was back when rookies didn't have that set salary, so he was trying to negotiate his salary. He went to Vancouver and had some kind of big incident in the airport, and then it was just kind of over. So he ended up getting traded. In a three-team deal with 11 players, which was the largest at the time, the Grizz got Michael Dickerson, who was another one of my favorite players. Michael Dickerson, thank you. So much yeah. for sure doing right here. Yeah. Um, Othello Harrington, Antoine Carr, uh, Brent Price. Brent Price is kind of like your Matt Maloney. You know, Houston always had those little random shooters yep. that were real good. Um, a couple of firsts and a couple of seconds, and that sent him to uh, Houston. In Houston, man, he was really good. I mean, I don't know why he gets so lost in his four in his C five seasons with Houston. He's averaged nineteen point three points per game, six point four assists, six point one rebounds, one point sixty three steals. And that was him he and was, Tina
1: Mowgli, It was those teams, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And then um, he and everyone remembers the big Vince Carter dunk contest, but they don't remember that. Steve Francis was the one that got second man. He was he had a vertical that oh, yeah. was crazy as a guard. He was one of the first guards that I saw that would get in the lane and kind of just do a spin move, jump straight up and dunk on players. Man, my
1: memory of Steve Francis was when he was in New York, and who was the guard they put with him? And it was Steve Francis. Stephon oh, Marbury. Marbury, man, you talk about two athletic guards. But my my memory of Steve Francis was it was on the defensive end. I can't remember who they were playing. But man, somebody put up a, a shot on a fast break. Steve Francis came and pinned this bitch off the back. I'm talking about like volleyball spiked it off the backboard. I mean, and he was only he was guards. only
0: like six foot, but he's definitely one of the most explosive guards ever in history. If you've never seen Steve Francis pl- uh, play, do me a favor and just look up Steve Francis highlights. He was incredible, incredible man. Yeah, so he was selected to the 2000 and this just shows how popular he was. He came from Maryland, you know what I mean, and he was fan voted in as a starter in 2002. He went there uh and then like the next year he had a bad season. He was like had headaches and injuries, but that allowed Houston to get Yao Ming. So because Houston was bad because then Francis hurt they got Yao Ming. Yao Ming and Francis they jailed together. They both made the All-Star game in 03 and they were a good team. Um it's just really he couldn't what happened was Rudy Rudy T They started off bad. Rudy T ended up stepping down. They brought in um, Jeff Van Gundy, and Jeff Van Gundy didn't like him, basically. He didn't like Steve Francis. That's one part of it. But also, you had a chance to get Tracy McGrady. They traded him to Orlando for Tracy McGrady. In his first season in Orlando, I think the trade was Tracy McGrady, Juwan Howard, and some bums for uh, Coutinho Mobley and um, Steve Francis. Steve Francis goes there and his first year, he was really good. He averaged 21 points a game, 5.8 assists. I mean, 5.8 rebounds, seven assists. But they traded Katino Mobley, who was his best friend, in the middle of the season. When they traded him, it pissed Steve Francis off again. Another person had a bad attitude. When they pissed Steve Francis off, it so they ended up trading him to like the Knicks Knicks. or something. And it just never really worked out after that. Steve Francis went from being incredible to average as fuck yep. in, in, a, in a blink of an eye. Yep. And I don't really even know how. I think it was drugs because now you kind of see how he is after basketball. So it probably was drug related. But the dude was like one of the fan favorites. He was one of the better players in the league. And once he left Houston, he was just like a shell of himself after that first year in Orlando.
1: Can we, I give an honorable mention real quick? Uh, you mentioned Brent Brent Price, and I do remember him. He was a good shooter. Uh, but can we talk about his brother, Mark Price? Talk about a bad dude in Cleveland in the eighties. If y'all ever want a real treat, go watch Mark Price before he blew his knee out. That dude. Cleveland.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like Mark Price.
1: Cleveland was a, Cleveland in the eighties was a real problem um, with him and, and Brad Doherty. But uh, my next player, you mentioned him already, Tracy McGrady, man. Um, yeah, I, I think people know that Trace McGrady was good. I don't think they remember how good Trace McGrady was. Um, you know, he goes to Orlando with the assumption that he's going to be playing with Grant Hill, um, who Grant Hill had just hurt his ankle and was really never the same. Um, and then it turns out in the year 2000, they almost got Tim Duncan. I mean, you talk about a yeah. real what if. Good
0: night. But yeah, that would be crazy if they did that.
1: T-Mac led the league in scoring twice, uh, averaging 32 points a game, 28 points a game. But basically, as soon as he got to Orlando in the year 2000, uh, he went from 15 points a game in his last year in Toronto to 27 points a game, 26 points a game, 32 points a game, 28, 26, uh, 24. And then, then he gets traded to Houston. Um, he's back down 24, 25, um, and then 21. And the, so T-Mac had a...
0: The, the one thing with T-Mac, though, is T-Mac got drafted at a high school. Right. And he came into Toronto with a lot of hype. Yeah. But he missed his rookie year with, like, injuries. So Toronto really didn't get the seal. Um, and then Vince Carter came because he got drafted before Vince Carter, right?
1: 97. And then Vince was
0: 98. Yep. Yeah. So he was there. Even though they're cousins, he came in right out the high school. Vince was in college he was hurt his rookie year Vince Carter comes in and just as the dominant force that Vince Carter is right and he becomes the star but even on the in the last year when Vince Carter and Trace McGrady was there together I don't know why Toronto wouldn't assign Trace McGrady because he was the defensive stopper he was like the Scottie Pippen to what Vince Carter was doing yep. he was the defender there he just didn't get the ball as much as he wanted so when he hit free agency Toronto didn't value him and at that time Toronto really wasn't paying people people they want to stay there because of the taxes there was a lot of stuff going on with those Raptors teams so he left but if you could have kept Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady together that Toronto team would have been a lot better because when he went to Orlando that team was really good and you really saw Tracy McGrady break out and I still don't even think Tracy McGrady met his potential because as I said Tracy McGrady was a really good defender it's just that when he got on Orlando he didn't have anybody else to score. So he was trying to save energy This was during a time where star players try to conserve their energy so they can score more instead of playing defense. But I think Trace McGrady could have been a better player. If he would have focused more on defense and stopping people and not just scoring.
1: Yeah. Uh, but truly, truly, I mean, everyone talks about how they remember yeah, or Kobe saying that that was definitely the toughest guy he ever had to guard. I mean, T-Mac six, if T-Mac played today, lethal. That's probably the best. You think that's the best player in the game?
0: You said what? Well,
1: not okay. If T Mac plays today, I don't know that he's LeBron, but
0: he's nah. a top three player. Kevin Durant. He's more Kevin Durant. Yeah, but I'm saying he's but, a top. But I three. mean, but if if you if you if you give Trace McGrady the rules today, and how explosive he was, how he shot the ball. I mean, there was a time. What was it? What did he do in Houston where he hit like
1: thirteen and twelve uh,
0: seconds? Yeah, thirteen points in like twelve, like something crazy. Like he was a monster. But again, injuries kind of hurt him. Like from a rookie through his career, he just really couldn't stay healthy. Because he always Even had he a got to back. Houston.
1: And then he ended up having microfracture knee surgery.
0: But the back was the really thing. Was the thing that really you know set him back because when he would get going, the back injury would give him problems, you know what I mean? So, Trace McGrady definitely didn't live up to his potential, but he's one of the top talents ever in our league. No doubt.
1: All right, man, let's wrap it up. We got uh, a couple more players, a couple more teams. Who is your next team?
0: Uh, My next team is the Supersonics, man. Uh, I got to see which year, because these dudes were good (laughs) for a couple years. They were. But but, um, it's going to be the '95. 96 so i went with the finals um team the 64 and 18 Supersonics team but you could have went with a couple of different Supersonics team man i didn't realize their record like the supersonics over a five-year stretch they won 60 games three times i think it was from 92 To like 97 or something like that. They won 60 games. Average 50 50 games per year. But they were just underachieved. In the playoffs. One of those years they won. I think it was 93-94. They won 60 games. And got beaten the first round by by Denver. So with Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. They were a really, really good team. But they underachieved. And it's funny because they turned into the Oklahoma City Thunder. Which pretty much did the same thing. It's like. That style followed them all the way to Oklahoma City, having getting good talent, having good teams. But this team had Gary Payton, Sean Kipp, Sam Perkins. They had Hershey Hawkins, who they traded Ray for. Hawkins a, Hershey Hawkins was a good player. He was a lockdown defender. A um, Nate 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 McMillan, Devlin shrimp. They um, traded for David Wingate from Charlotte too, who was also a good defender and a good shooter. A rookie, Eric Snow. Um, Gary Payton won Rookie of the Year that year. Gary Payton and Kemp were both All-Stars. They uh, they actually almost messed up because they beat the Kings 3-1. They beat the Rockets. They played that Jazz team. They got up early on the Jazz 3-1. But the Jazz came back and tied the series. And the Sonics won by four in Game 7 at home. But... I mean this team was just really good. I just don't know if it was the coaching or what it was. This was another George Carl team. The run that they had from ninety-two to like ninety-seven, they should have had at least more final appearances or something. But it's just it's just crazy that as good as the records are that you see, they underachieve so badly. But you can't that's what that's one of the rules. You can't never take anything for granted. You think, oh, we'll get back. Oh, we'll be good. You never know what's gonna happen, man
1: yep i agree um my last team is the 1997 indiana pacers um uh, mm. another team that throughout history has gotten close and could never
0: get over the hump but they're a lot like the sonics yep always bad luck and
1: but people don't remember how close they came to ending this jordan uh and bulls 3 p uh 98 scotty pippen could um you know he was Scotty Pippen's back was done. Um, and – but the one thing – so they ended up losing to the Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals in Game 7 um, after finishing uh, 28. And, man, Larry Bird almost got – I didn't realize. Larry Bird almost got to the finals twice as a coach. Yep. Um, wow. Um, but, I mean, just a, a really incredible – I mean, everyone remembers from that series Reggie's game, game-winner in Game 6, where he pushes off Jordan and hits the three. Um and it was a close game seven, ended up losing. But this was such a tough team, man. Uh, once again, like I said, this this team probably, them in Utah would have been the least watched finals in history, but it probably was <laughs>
0: terrible. Yeah, it was terrible.
1: Job. Um, Reggie Miller was at his peak. You had the Davis brothers. Um, you, you had Rick Smith, who was a real problem, the, the Dutch sniper or whatever the hell they called him. Uh, just a, a really, really good team that, got really close to making the finals and and really um rewriting history when it comes to to that last bulls three p
0: yeah man uh my my final player is going to be alonzo morning now i I know that lamont alonzo morning is a hall of famer and you know we feel like I feel like people give him respect, but I don't. I never really hear him talked about anymore. I'm a Heat fan, so I hear him all the time and I see him. But when you talk about history, I don't hear people really giving the respect to Alonzo Mourning and really appreciating how good Alonzo Mourning was. Alonzo had a 15-year career from 92 to 08 despite having kidney surgery. Uh, I think he had a kidney disease, which he had to get his kidney removed and replaced. Um, he was the second overall pick in 92 to Shaq uh he went to charlotte and the things that he did when he was in charlotte as a rookie was pretty incredible man as a rookie he averaged 21 points 10 rebounds and 3.47 blocks he was per game everything dude everything, everything. he was a one, one of the best shot blockers in history he finished second in rookie of the year to Shaq of course he had the highest scoring average in hornets history he was the first uh, rookie him and Shaq was the first rookie since David Robinson to average 20 and 10 points a game he um he beat now charlotte was a young team but it's still impressive he became the all-time blocks leader for charlotte in 49 games of his rookie season dude <laughs> alonzo
1: Mourning was was a pro and that 93 hornets team was good um yeah and coincidentally my last player uh was also on that team but as far as though goes if, if you talk about a guy whose career was shortened because of uh you know what do you have kidney disease
0: he had a kidney disease he had he had he had to have a kidney implant but zoe was also kind of an asshole so it's so you get a lot of stories of why zoe left charlotte you got that he didn't get along with larry johnson i think that point larry johnson had signed one of those seven-year deals too so charlotte was a small market team the salary cap wasn't really in effect so essentially what they were doing was trying to sign their star players to these like long-term deals i think they signed larry johnson to something like seven years sixty million dollars and then negotiations with Alonzo Mourning, uh, they say that they offered Alonzo Mourning 112 million dollars, but it was over a 10-year stretch. Like so they offered him 10 years 112 million dollars. Zo kept saying that they didn't appreciate him and they they offered him bum money. So that's why he left. But basically,
1: which is just I bet you it completely untrue because if you remember, he's the reason Shaq ended
0: up in LA. Uh, yeah, yeah, because he because so that's what I'm saying. So the, he wanted more money. He was a business savvy. He understood, like, unlike Scottie Pippen, don't sign a 10 year deal, even though it's 111 million dollars. So he wouldn't take that deal. But Larry Johnson had. So the owner side was. We just, we're just we giving you more money than Larry Johnson. But Larry Johnson is on a seven-year deal. So the overall is more, but you don't want to sign to a 10-year. You're him three more years committed than Larry Johnson. You know what I mean? So he wasn't going for the foolishness. They they had a big argument in that meeting. He ends up getting traded to the Heat. He got traded for Glenn Rice, Matt Geiger, Khalid, Khalid Reeves, and a first-round pick in 96. I mean... Pat Rock. Was that pick come? Oh, was that the pick that became Kobe Bryant for Charlotte? Oh, I would have to. no, because it would have been later. Because they got that was the 13th I, pick. I might have been.
1: Oh, oh,
0: <laughs> <Ugh>. wow. Uh, oh, <laughs> but man, they did. They fucked that all. Oh, Charlotte. <laughs> but then you know the Heat in the offseason re resigned them to a seven year, 105 million deal. Um, became the higher play player in history, forced Shaq to leave to go get money because he had to get more than Alonzo because he's better than Alonzo. Orlando didn't want to give him more money, so he pretty much fucked Orlando. <laughs> and Shaq goes. But that first season with the Heat, they won 61 games, second in the East. He averaged 19.9, 19.8 points, nine rebounds, 2.9 blocks. I mean, dude was a monster. He's he one of the best shot blockers in history. Even when he came back to the Heat after the injuries, he would... Um, he was still you know, good, subbing in, still blocking shots, still defended the rim. He was a lot of the reason why that Heat team won the championship. Yep. But look at this. He went to the Nets in 03, but he had that kidney disease. Yep. If the Nets have him, I think that's a lot different series when they go play the Lakers if they have um, Alonzo Mourning there with Kenyon, Martin, Kerry, Kittles, Jason Kidd. Instead, of, instead but the fact, they had to play Todd McCullough. Yeah. Didn't they have other Collins boys then? Yeah, Jason Collins, yep. Yeah, but if they would have had Alonzo Morning, I, th- I believe that series would have been a lot different. They wouldn't have just ran through those Nets teams with Alonzo Morning.
1: So, uh, last player on my team, uh, 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 from on my list, you we've already talked a little bit about him. We mentioned his name. Larry Johnson, Grandma Ma, Um you know, from ninety shit, from 92 to 96, other than the Bulls, I think the Hornets might have been the coolest team in the league. Because coolest I,
0: team, yeah. The, yeah. I
1: remember having uh, uh Hornets uh, like bedspread for my bed as a kid. The starter jacket, the court was cool.
0: But that Hornets starter jacket was fire. Oh up. my god, I was so happy <laughs> when I got that. Uh, Hornets, Chiefs, Raiders.
1: Yep. I mean, talk <laughs> about the day if you didn't have a starter jacket, you was not fly. Um, but Grandma, Mom coming in. Uh, dressing as a woman, uh, you know, nobody even took it as weird. It like, look at this big old cool black dude. I want to be just like it. And he I was mean, on Family Matters. This dude was everywhere.
0: Uh, but with the big gold slug in his mouth. Yep.
1: I mean, but he, <laughs> he was part of those UNLV teams with him and Greg Anthony. That man, they came in and they, I mean, they wanted they won a national title ninety, and they and uh, came in and oh no no no, they didn't win a title. They ended up losing to Duke. Nah,
0: no, nah, they won. One. Did they won. Okay, they, yes. they went. They went back to back. They won the first one, I believe, and, and then they the lost one. the next one. I think so. Let me. I have to check. Think, that, but I believe so. You're right.
1: Uh, but he came in the league, man. His first year, he was averaging 19 and 11. Uh, second year, he's at 22 and 10. Um, you know, around 95 is when he's his last good year. He was 28. Hurts his back. Uh, ends up getting traded to the Knicks, makes the finals with the Knicks in 98, 99, all being a lockout season, but was a real crucial part of that team with him and the trust pretty well. Um, but Larry Johnson, man, for, for a real short window from, I'd say, 92 to, um, to 96, was a very, very good player, one of the coolest players in the league. Um, just too much weight on his back, man. But I, I, if, if he'd come around a little bit later, I think Larry Johnson's probably a different player. Because he could shoot, he could defend, he could rebound. Uh, he, he was a good player.
0: Yeah, but he was – the one thing I didn't like about Larry Johnson, he was all athleticism, man. Once he lost his athleticism, he was trash, man. Even when he went to those Knicks. It's funny because they always say Larry Johnson, Alonzo, they were cool and they didn't get into it. But then you saw when Alonzo was on the heat boy, they, and Larry was they, on the boy, Knicks. <laughs> That was one of those big, big brawls because it it, Jeff it ain't boiled be over. So. On for dear life. <laughs> hey, you can't never say Jeff not gonna defend his players, though. Man, um, he gonna ride or die. All right,
1: man. I think that's. I think we covered it. Uh, anything before we get out of here?
0: Nah, man, just make sure you go to the 2 Smart Network. That's the number 2 Smart Network. Uh, right now, we have Fumble Roofski, a football podcast, on. Uh, we're giving you the draft prospects, 20 late sleepers that you might want to know if you're going to be looking at the draft for your team. Some day two, day three prospects that you might want to look at that maybe become stars. That's with me and KP. You can find us on Instagram at 2 Smart Network. Um, we got the Sexy Suburban Dad coming up next week. We have the Nostalgia. Uh, what is it? Random nostalgia, Random nostalgia with, with Robo. Yeah, we got that too. coming out Saturday. Got a bunch of content, man. If you want to keep up with it, like I said, just go to www two smart network, or you can find us on Instagram two smart network um, and at the two smart dummies, of course. That's it.
1: That's all. Peace.
0: Peace.